Did you know that each episode of the Digitally Irresistible podcast is recorded on video? You can access the video by clicking the episode notes on your podcast player. Scroll to the bottom of the notes and click on the video link. Or just visit the iCore YouTube channel. You're listening to the Digitally Irresistible podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people. Brought to you by iCore. Each episode features someone who sheds a little more light on the ins and outs of delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. And now, here's today's guest. Welcome to another episode of the Digitally Irresistible Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Borges. Today's guest is Joseph Michelli, PhD. Welcome, Dr. Michelli. Hey, thanks for having me, Bernie. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. You are the founder and the CEO of the Michelli Experience, also known as TME. You're a full-service human experience delivery company that helps leaders attract and engage customers. TME offers leadership and management consulting, personalized training, customer journey mapping, agile design, customer retention solutions, and tailored keynote presentations and workshops. You've worked with many brands such as Microsoft, John Deere, HP, and again, many other brands. You've authored 11 books on customer experience. Your latest book is titled Stronger Through Adversity, World-Class Leaders Share Pandemic-Tested Lessons on Thriving During the Toughest Challenges. Additionally, you were recently inducted into the CX Hall of Fame. Congratulations for that. So, Let's unpack on this episode, let's unpack the challenge that all businesses are facing, finding the right mix of technology and human interaction in the customer experience. But first, if we can, let's begin with your backstory, Joseph, because you have quite a backstory. Tell us your backstory. Yeah, well, I have been blessed to be raised by parents who taught me that we're on this planet to serve other people. And so it really set me off on the trajectory of realizing that this isn't about me. Um, um, uh, it's kind of an interesting start in the sense that those parents were adoptive parents. My biological mom had hid my pregnancy for all nine months and crossed state lines, was panicked that she had this baby to bring home to, to her parents who we're not excited about uh, not having a dad attached. And so she came back across state lines on a bus and put me in a trash can. So at three days of age, I could project then like I can project now. And uh, I was extracted from the trash and loved by parents who taught me really early on that we are on the planet to make a difference in the lives of those we serve. And it's through that making a difference that our own lives are enriched. I would imagine you've told that story many times, but I'm going to tell you, anyone who's hearing it for the first time, you know, you just can't help but get a little choked up just by hearing it. That's quite a backstory. So thank you for sharing it. Uh, you've built a very, very uh, impressive career in customer experience. So, and you work with, as I said in the introduction, many, many brands. So why don't we begin with um, hearing from you? What, what, do you? what do you believe is the current state of customer experience? I think it's much better than if we were to think back in the 1950s and 60s. There was a definitely personal service in the 50s and 60s. But think of the technologies that make our lives better. Now, people would argue that they were intended to save us time. And many of us feel like we have far less time than we ever had before. But if you really look at the technologies, you look at the 
you know, the, the mobile phone technologies and smartphones and what we can do with our smartphones. Clearly, we're getting our needs met very efficiently without having to be intermediated, intermediated with people. That said, we've also gotten to a point where we're looking for something more than what we're getting. If you look at the American Customer Satisfaction Index, we're at a 17-year low on delivering satisfaction into the marketplace. That's despite the fact that almost every business leader at a global organization sees customer experience as a differentiator. It's normally part of their strategic priorities. So my answer to you is that as a consumer, I like to complain, but in reality, I know there's a lot of great things happening in the space. I also know that despite our efforts to do it well, customers truly aren't satisfied at levels that we'd like them to be. You said something I want to come back to. I think it's interesting. You said that leaders now recognize that it's a, it's a strategic initiative for them, but that customer experience is a strategic initiative. Do you think it's really pervasive in the C-suite among major brands? I think intellectually it is. I think at a sole perspective and how do we invest in it and what's the way in which we leverage it? How do we get people, process, technology, all doing the things that we need them to do so that customers are coming back for more and telling their friends? And, you know, it, it was Walt Disney who who said that that's the job, right, that we should do it so well that people really want to see a repeat of what we just did. And they want to share what they just saw with other people that they care about. And I, I don't think that at the C-suite, most people can understand how to get that done. Put your contact center in the cloud with i -Core. We help brands reimagine their customer journey by deploying digital technology that provides personalization and automation where it matters most building a scalable customer experience that streamlines every customer touchpoint into a single platform. Smile with iCore. Learn more at iCore.com. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Well, at TME, you have developed a framework that uh, I'm sure you, um, you deliver in your speaking, consulting, workshops, et cetera. You call it the LEAD framework, and LEAD is an acronym. Stands for listen, empathize, add value, and delight. And I'm going to invite you here, Joseph, to unpack that lead framework for us. So I was working in the automotive industry with some other great consultants. Uh, you know, large brands often have various consultants and sometimes large consulting firms and sometimes boutique consultants. But I was working with a, a group of consultants on a brand in the automotive space. It was 22nd on the J.D. Power Index, which is a metric of how well you are delivering satisfaction into the marketplace. Um, and so this 22nd ranked brand was aspiring to be number one. And we knew this was going to be a heavy lift. We knew they had great product. We knew they had great reputation, uh, at least at the product level. But they also had a reputation of saying, boy, you should be so grateful that you can spend $140,000 to buy this fabulous piece of engineering. Um, and so there was, a certain, there was a certain arrogance to the way they delivered their experience. And so we committed to figure out how could we transform from 22nd to number one, which they did in a shorter order than we thought. We thought it was going to be about a four-year lift. And they did it in about two and a half years. But they did it through this methodology, which is really let's listen. And listen is kind of an overly descriptive perspective of just hearing things in the auditory sphere. We were listening with our eyes as well. We were looking and listening to customers. And we were doing that 
really trying to appreciate what was the journey, what were the high value moments of the journey, where were they likely to churn, where were they filling pain points, where were they getting lost from one state of being to the next of the transition phase of their journey. And so we're going to listen. We're going to use what we learned as effectively as possible to understand, not just understand at an intellectual level, but emotionally, what was this causing by way of emotional angst or uncertainty? And how could we address both our understanding was that and listening, If I may, if I may, may ask, is, was that listening multifaceted? Was it surveys? Was it asking people in live discussions? You know, what, what did that look like? Amen, amen, and hallelujah to what you just said, Bernie. Yeah, I mean, I think the key to listening to be successful is it is multidimensional and it is cross-platform. So if you... You know, people tell me, I don't need surveys because I talk to my customers all the time. I said, that's great, but sometimes customers won't tell you directly what they really feel. And so you better listen to the social because they might be saying something socially than what they're willing to tell you to your face. It's not that people tend to, you know, be disingenuous. It's just easier for me to complain to you in an impersonal survey than it is for me to look you in the eye and tell you what the problem is. Or better yet, I was at a restaurant last night where the server came up and said, was everything fabulous? Well, you know, they're actually listening for my response. They've just led me down a path where they pretty much signaled they didn't want to hear the truth. Um, so I think the point is you need to use multiple methods of listening and you need to know when to listen along the journey, because sometimes we just listen at a specific moment in time when we need to really check them out. You know, OK, so now it's six months later. How are you feeling about our brand? Mm -hmm. So I, it is important to take all those dimensions. But once you've listened and once you've put yourself into their perspective, kind of think about empathy. What are they thinking, seeing, feeling, wanting, hearing, experiencing at, at a particular moment in time? Then it's a matter of adding value. And there's a lot of ways to add value. One is just fix it for them. Just get it fixed. Uh, that's, a, that's what a lot of us want. Sometimes it's teaching them teaching your customer how to get their needs met in a particular situation so that they don't need you. It's anticipating a problem they're going to have so they never have to call you in the first place. There's a lot of ways we add value uh, besides just, okay, you have a problem, I'll fix it for you. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's just really helping them understand how to use a product that otherwise has no problem in it at all. It's just a lack of education that we failed to provide the customers. So on that point, adding value, do brands sometimes have to um, sort of think outside the box on how to add value? You know, maybe they're used to doing things or operating their business the same way for so many years that they have to really sort of get outside their comfort zone to think about ways to add value? Absolutely. And here's where technology really does come in, right? I mean, we can, if we can use technology to anticipate a problem a customer is going to have and then be able to notify the customer that something's emerging as an issue for them so they can take care of it before it actually breaks, you know, kind of the Internet of things, if you will. Um, then we're really adding value in an important way because the last thing a customer wants to do is have to pick up a phone and call into customer service for an issue. And unfortunately, customer service departments are shrinking it's harder and harder to find that 800 number to contact someone today. So this balancing between once I understand what the issue is, where the touch point is, then I can identify ways to add value upstream so that I'm not reacting to a problem that otherwise is unnecessary for the customer to experience. So that's a key point. So adding value really throughout the entire customer journey or branch thinking in, in, in that way about not just adding value 
after purchase, but throughout the entire customer journey? Smart ones are uh, because frequently that repurchase intent, which is what we really want, right? And then take that repurchase intent and activate it into an actual repurchase. That depends on a relationship. Otherwise, you're a coupon away from being you know, swept up by a competitor. If I'm just okay with you, if it's just fine, that's, you know, satisfied, I'm just waiting for someone to come on with a, with a better price because there's no emotional engagement in the relationship. So, you know, the brands that are winning in the marketplace across sectors are those that are thinking about how do we add value that will drive a return of value in reciprocity. And that return of value is loyalty, repurchase intent and referrals. How blurred is the line between adding value and delighting? Oh, uh, for me, it's really blurred because sometimes, and there's a great Harvard Business Review article that says, stop trying to delight your customers. And the, the gist of it is, unless you satisfy them and unless you're operationally consistent, delight is worthless, right? It's, you know, it just doesn't work. Delight me once is not as good as consistently satisfy me. Um, so that line is confusing. But the point that's really important, if you look at research by Forrester and others who've done a lot of empirical lift on this, you need to execute on three levels. You need to meet needs. You need to make it less effortful. And then you need to elevate a moment, a sprinkle of something that emotionally connects me to you with some sense of positive, uplifting joy. It's one of the great things about your, your podcast, having listened to it. It's very positive, very energetic, very delighting to me. And I think brands that get it, they execute that. What is it the customer needs? How do I make it easier for them? And then what can I do just a little bit more than what they expected? And that for me is all delight is, is if the expectation is here, then how do I slightly over deliver and build that over delivery into consistent execution? And what is the role of word of mouth in your lead framework? Well, the beauty of this is if you delight customers uh, and if you add value and if you've emotionally connected, it is the activator for promoters. So if you look at the correlation between people who are emotionally connected to a brand and the promoter sector, those who get nines and tens unlikely to promote using a net promoter score, these are the people that when you activate them, they actually do go out into the marketplace and speak well of you. So and when we know people are buying on referrals more so than advertising, um, so it really does get to the point of if you have a satisfied customer, they are the best member of your sales team. And you mentioned that one brand that was an automotive brand that you thought it was going to take four or so years, and it took more like two or two and a half years to achieve what they set, set out to achieve. What are some other, maybe some examples from a duration standpoint? You know, what, what does it look like to actually implement the lead framework? Well, I think from, a, from any perspective, this is not microwavable. Right. Like if you're going to change your customer experience execution, it's going to take some groundwork. And that foundational work is to make sure that people understand what you're trying to achieve strategically. So it really is develop your strategy. It is, you know, create your vision. It is enculturate that vision deeply into your organization. It's getting your metrics reliably so we can understand what is baseline now and how do we measure our improvement. And in the case of the automotive factor, one of those metrics was an external baseline metric of the JD power, but we had intrinsic metrics that we gave us some preview of what was going to happen on the JD power. Um, beyond that, it's then getting your cross-functional teams to look at where are our opportunities across our journeys of core customer segments. And we're talking about 
80% of your customers may be represented by three or four core customer segments in most businesses. And so understanding the journeys of those three or four core customer segments and identifying what are our people, process, and technology levers that we can pull to create value along that, that journey stream. Um, that's normally a three to five year proposition. Um, it, it seldom to, it turns out to be a one year proposition for sure. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. And what's the impact on roles and responsibilities as an organization embarks on the lead framework, as you said, a three to five year time horizon? How does that impact roles and responsibilities? Well, functionally, you first have to have someone in the C-suite who is sponsoring these kinds of initiatives. Uh, some organizations have gone to creating a chief experience officer. It's always challenging because they frequently don't have enterprise-wide authority. They're just trying to influence these processes. I'm, I tend to be more of a fan of having the entire organization responsible for these things and having as a KPI across the operators, across the marketers within their lanes. Uh, so for me, there's a there's an experience element to every single part of the business and everyone should be measured and have it as part of the way they are evaluated uh, kind of at a senior level. Throughout the organization, you know, it's configured variously, but oftentimes you can get it done with cross-functional teams, people who are customer experience champions, who may not even be titled leaders who are responsible for nudging the organization to constantly keep their eye on the customer. In every meeting, in every room, your customer should be joining you. Uh, they should be part of every decision you make because as soon as you cut them out of the equation, you're likely to sustainably affect your company. You may be able to get some short-term profit gains, but the ability to grow and maintain your success is always dependent upon your ability to, to meet the needs and delight your customers. I'm wondering if what begins as a customer experience strategic initiative, I'm wondering to what extent it impacts the sales and or the marketing strategy in brands that you've interacted with. It's a dynamic force, right? I mean, the consumer will tell you what your brand can do, the elasticity of your brand, where it's permitted to play, uh, where you can reach and stretch and where it's just out of sync with who your your existing customers think you to be. Uh, in those cases, you may try to be attracting a whole new customer that is very different than your existing customer. And you may have sub-brands that have a whole uh, you know, brand promise that meets their need. But the brand promise and the branded customer experience live in the same ecosystem. So if you're going to promise something, you're going to say, this is the essence of our brand and this is what you're going to experience when you get into the world of our brand it better pay off at high value moments along the customer journey. So those are dynamic forces that shape each other and that evolve over time because we as humans are constantly craving something new, something slightly different, something that's more in sync with our lifestyle. Joseph at Icor, our slogan is smile with Icor. So we say we create smiles. In fact, we say we sell smiles. So when you take that concept over to the customer experience, you know, back to the beginning of this conversation, how do you advise and guide brands when you're working with them on this lead, frame, lead framework with regard to the integration of technology and that human element to create smiles? So first and foremost, bravo, because smiles implies in and of itself an emotional truth, an emotional value proposition. It goes beyond satisfaction, which is I could be, well, I could be satisfied with you at iCorp. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's not enough. The intellectual calculation of the satisfaction is not going to propel you into a long term future success position. But if you really do get to the heart of the thing, as is evidenced by your backdrop, and you really do get to the smile on the face of a consumer, 
now you're you're really cementing a relationship with the consumer where you're memorable. I mean, the smile actually anchors into the Olympic system your memorability. To your point on strategy, if you're constantly in a business of creating smiles, and if everybody in your organization organization knows their job is to leave people smiling, now you've got a clear value proposition that everyone can improvise their way into. Yes, I have processes. Yes, I have procedures. But guess what? When raw material comes in the door, a consumer, different than the last one, I have to apply those processes and procedures with nuance based on how that individual will be left smiling. Well said, well said. Thank you for, for sharing that. Well, before we come to a wrap point here, uh, I do wanna ask you, Joseph, where can anyone watching or listening connect with you, learn more about you, and again, just connect with you and your world? Well, my name is shamelessly over the internet. So uh, if you find my name, you'll find me. My, my LinkedIn handle is Joseph Michelli. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter under the same, and my website is the same. So it's just josephmichelli.com. Fantastic. Well, our listeners and our viewers know that all that is linked up in the show notes and those that are watching on video are seeing it on screen right now. Uh, I just want to thank you, Dr. Joseph Michelli, for joining me on this episode of this lead framework, listen, empathize, add value and delight. Uh, it just makes a ton of sense. And I can see how so many brands have benefited from working with you to guide them on that journey. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your expertise with us today. Thanks for your great podcast, Bernie. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digitally Irresistible Podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people, delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. Brought to you by iCore. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss future episodes.